The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. host of that's odd i'm johnny towns and i'm joined by my pal uh the oddity himself christopher chavez that's me or that's he that's odd <laughs> hey how's it going buddy what's going on dude how are you i'm doing good i'm going to try my best to uh replace your wife on this show <laughs> Uh, it's going to be tough, though, because she was honestly very good. Well, if that's the case, go get me a sandwich! <laughs> yeah, yeah. What year is this? <laughs> right. uh, well, thank you, dude. Um, yeah, we've actually we got some cool feedback. A lot of people seem to really have enjoyed that, and so, uh, so much so that she and I are going to start doing kind of another offshoot of History Creeps, and that's odd. Uh, we're going to call it How Bizarre, and it'll just kind of be in the rotation, maybe show up here in between episodes. Um, and it's just going to be weird, bizarre stories kind of to fit you know, the feel of what we've got going with the history creeps, all the creepers and the creeper clubhouse. So in other words, what we're telling you listeners is we're giving you even more content soon. Yep. And finally, you'll hear the voice of the other gender. Uh, you know, just the, yeah. the viewpoint of a of a woman in some of these times. I mean, I'm always in, interested in thinking what a female or a woman would think, or what kind of stories they would bring. What they think are weird, bizarre, scary, and odd. Yeah, you know, most of the time they're way smarter than I am, so <laughs> I definitely need to listen. But that's not really a couple bit because a lot of things are smarter than I am. <laughs> oh man! Um, so today on that's odd though. Uh, a lot of times we'll start the show with a an, a, a current story, kind of like a current creeps. So we call it now that's odd. Uh, today I have nothing. I can't believe you. That's Chris. We talked about this. We need to be more prepared for this show. I know. We need to have things ready to go. I'm sorry, uh, and, and that's just unacceptable. So what do you have? I don't have anything. Okay, moving on. So. Uh... <laughs> I mean, there's some some little news here and there. Like before recording, we were talking about uh, we had discussed on History Creeps. We talked about uh, that show, that series, Hellier. Uh, they announced that there's a follow up coming to it, so we're prepared to watch that and, and get into it as well. If you guys were a fan of it, uh, make sure to check it out when it comes out. There's a lot of cool things that were happening. Um, the Joker movies coming out. This looks super yeah. super serious and super creepy. Like just kind of off, right? Dramatic. Um, I don't know. There's all kinds of weird, creepy, odd things happening right now. But I didn't have anything, you know, to present as a story. Yeah, same here. I'm very curious. This is not a uh, pop culture podcast. Popcast? Uh, podcast. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I should come on a show podcast. There you I? go. Nah. There we go. <laughs> like, damn it. <laughs> it's too late. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, that Joker movie, I'm very intrigued i guess is the best way to put it well i've not seen the new trailer yet uh the only reason for it is because as of this recording i've not seen it i will be seeing it this weekend i'm going to be recording reaction videos uh to put up on our youtube channel we have a youtube channel for the network now bicvp network 
Um, you can check it out on YouTube. Uh, there's no videos yet, but they're going to start popping up here. And some of the ones I want to do are, are reaction videos. So I want to see this one. I want to see the Star Wars teaser trailer they put out and the new Terminator trailer. I'm going to react to all three of those. Okay. All right. I'm very curious what you think of all three. I've watched all three. Well, so. you can check it out on YouTube. I'll let you know. I'll, I'll throw you the link. Okay. That's good. I'm, I need to subscribe, I guess. Yeah, you're going to have to. <laughs> okay. How much does it cost? Uh, $500 for you. Everyone else is free. That's fair. I thought so. That's very fair. So, Johnny, what... I know, uh, the, I know, the, t- I know the type of person I am. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. All right, dude. So, uh, so for that side, we usually come with a story apiece. Not like History Creeps. History Creeps, we focus on one or sometimes a roundtable discussion. But with that side, you come with a story, I come with a story. Sometimes it's themed, sometimes it's not. Uh, today I have one that I think is I've never heard of before. Um, I'm hoping I hadn't said it before. I told you before we started recording, I was like, you know what? Sometimes I find these stories, <laughs> and because I do research looking for stories, I may have read over something and been like, nah, I'm not going to cover that, right? So then later yeah. when I'm I find it again, I'm like, this does sound interesting. Let me get into it. I'm like, wait a second, did I cover this? Uh, I didn't see it. I went through our our back catalog. Um, listened to hours and hours and hours of audio which is amazing uh, which you can find on any podcast app or spotify history creeps is now on spotify but i did not find this story so i hope the one i'm bringing today is new to you and new to the creepers well i promise that if i've heard it before i will and i kind of hope that i have i will wait until you're finished before i tell you <laughs> i want you to wait until you're fin- i'm finished play like you heard it for the first time tell yeah. your story as we're leaving the clubhouse i want you to tell me that that's a great time all right perfect um so what do you think you want me to go first you want to hear what i have uh, the story i brought today yeah i'm very curious if i've heard yours before <laughs> this is the story of the mad gasser of matoon or known as the anesthetic prowler. Could you imagine if you're called the mad gasser like this? <laughs> I would say nowadays we would look at that and be like, Ugh, somebody's eating too much beans. Yeah, uh, just somebody's just way angry all right? the time and farts a lot. But I think in the, in, the, in the idea of the 1940s, which is when this takes place, this takes place in 1944. Uh, I'm sure you're very aware there was a, a lot of world happenings going on in the, the, the mid-40s. Oh, yeah. That's a way to put it. Uh, yeah. And knowing that, um, gassing meant something completely different then, right? So knowing somebody yes, known true. as the Mad Gasser already just seems like a Batman villain on the loose. For sure. All right, here we go, man. So on the evening of August 31st, 1944, Urban Reef woke up noticing a strange smell in his bedroom. It was a weird kind of perfumey smell, and it was so over, like overbearing, and it got to be so overwhelming that he literally became physically sick. He started to dry heave and, and, and start to sweat, and he could feel his heart rate start to intensify, and it freaked him out. Um, at first, he thought maybe he was having a heart attack, so he kind of reaches over to his wife and shakes her awake. She just she sits up and notices him not feeling well, and she smells it as well. And she just thinks to herself, you know, maybe the pilot light is there's something wrong with the pilot light in the kitchen. She goes to get out of bed and realizes she cannot because she is paralyzed from the waist down. 
This whole like scenario is over a, 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 a matter of seconds when she realizes this, right? But then this lasts for a few minutes. Can you imagine being like sitting in your bed, watching your, your loved one next to you being sick, possibly dying, and you can't get out of bed, you can't even move, and now you're starting to feel this weird, overwhelming sickness take you? Yeah, it sounds awful. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, her husband started to feel a little better. And she started realizing she could move her legs. And as soon as she got, you know, her senses back, she jumped out of bed and ran into the kitchen and checked it. And the pilot light was fine. Nothing was wrong with that. The next evening on September 1st, three different homes surrounding her, her neighbors, three different homes, all ended up reporting similar symptoms. In one house, there was a woman named Mrs. Kearney. Um, she awoke smelling something weird in the house and went to go check on her daughter. And when she opened the door, her daughter, uh, was, gave her like this frightful look, this look of terror and told her mom that she was paralyzed. She couldn't move from the waist down. She could not move. And all of a sudden her mother was breathing this weird, like sweet smell in the air and started to feel kind of revulsed. Like her stomach started heaving. You know, she started feeling kind of like cold sweats coming on. Um, and the houses all around them, the, the, all the different people in these houses, they all experience the same the same thing. Um, one of them, one of the people in those houses, said that they just noticed a a figure running, be, you know, between the, the the grounds and and taking off around the houses. He was wearing dark clothing and like a tight knit cap. Uh, they all reported these to the police. Um, police took all these different reports, but there was nothing they could do. There was no evidence, no suspect they could find. Uh, and so the people went to the, the newspaper also. They went the very the same day or the next day they went to the newspaper. So the newspaper decides we're going to report, you know, we're gonna, we got to put this in the paper. We got to let people know that something's happening. And that's literally what they did. They published an article in the local paper. Huge headline says anesthetic prowler on the loose. Mother and daughter first victims. Um, and then as you read the article, it says that they poss- the, the guy's possibly using chloroform or ether uh, because of the way they describe the scents. Immediately do. So this is only three days now, right? So from the 31st to September 2nd when this is published, um, this is pub- all of a sudden this small town in Mattoon, Illinois is now kind of like on alert. It's kind of we see that stuff in the movies all the time. Remember, uh, you remember Scream? Like right after the first murder, you, they're at the school and you hear the principal over the loudspeaker saying that the, the town's putting on a curfew. No one's allowed out at night. Everybody's got it. You know what I mean? So that's what this feels like. This there's an air this this air uh, of terror in the air at the moment in the small town that there's someone lurking around trying to poison this uh, poison people with gas. I uh, I've, I've I've never seen Scream. <laughs> I know it's a shocker. <laughs> All right, we're ending this show super early. Uh, we will continue this after this break because I am going to go make Johnny watch Scream. <laughs> oh man, I should watch it. WCW champion David Arquette's in it. I should watch. Bro, it. it's just the pop. Cu- <laughs> you're gonna have to for your new pop culture show, dude. You're gonna have to watch it. It's a huge, huge you know, imprint in pop culture. And if I'm not a guest on that episode, I don't know what's going on. 
Um, well, obviously, I've heard of Scream. I know what I know of it. <laughs> but anyways, I know, the, I know the I know the mask. That mask is iconic. Oh yeah. You know? But in the film, there's this scene where you know there's this everyone there's this kind of a panic in the town. It's a smaller town. They're not used to this happening. So when this comes out in the papers, and everyone's in fear. And also think about this: 1944. A lot of the men in this town are enlisted. A lot of the men are getting ready to go to war because we are entering the war. We're going into World War II, or we've been in the war for a few years now, um, right? 41? Yes. Yeah. Um, so so they're already away. So most of these homes are, you know, mothers with children. Maybe, maybe the mother-in-law is living with them to help them out. You know, maybe there are uncles and brothers that are still staying around, older gentle, older men. But overall, a lot of these families don't have the fathers at home. So there's going to be like this extra kind of tension, this extra paranoia in the, in the air, right? So um, on September 5th, a couple of days later, there were a couple of more reports that somebody, you know, people had felt this, this weird thing, these smells in their houses, and they started feeling sick, you know, vomiting, you know, sweats, the whole thing. Some of them started complaining of getting dizzy and, and feeling the aches. Some of them felt, you know, partial paralysis. Uh, but one one of these people, the, one of the reports was this couple. They reported that they had come home early from a date to realize that um, they found on their porch a, a little white cloth. And the lady picked up the cloth and sniffed it and said she started getting like lightheaded and this burning sensation in the back of her throat. They also found a skeleton key and a tube of lipstick. This was all turned over to the police. The police said, can't do anything with this. This means nothing, really. On September, what's that? <laughs> Wait, that means nothing. Yeah, that's so. It's such a weird thing to find. And they're just like, okay. It's, I mean, what is it? Oh well, what they did is they tested the cloth, and there was nothing on it. There was no smell to it. Uh, the skeleton key could have been from, you know, the mailman. Because you remember back in the day, the mailman would have that big ring of keys because they'd go to the, all the little lock boxes as well. So it yeah. could have come off of his. Uh, his ring, like you know, they were saying that the, the tube of lipstick could have been any of her friends, maybe coming or going whenever visiting. So finding those things wasn't—it was like it's way too circumstantial, especially since nothing's happened. No one's broken into your house. Uh, there was no gas, nothing. The very next day, on September sixth, the re- police and newspapers uh, get reports of seven more instances including one uh, where they saw a very tall man running from the scene of one of the houses that smelled this gas. On September 10th, six more reports come in of gas, uh, you know, smells throughout the houses and people feeling sick, uh, feeling partial paralysis. One person even reporting they passed out. And when they came to, uh, they had been moved to a different room. As many as 35... That's... That's freaky right there. Right, dude. Uh that was yeah. the, I only found that in one report, so I can't say it. like you know how when you find one thing and then everybody else everything else is still the same, but you find one that has this perfect little like piece of nugget that you're like, how come nobody else said this? So I don't yeah. I'm I'm throwing that out there as it was something I saw. I'm not sure how real that is. Uh, because again, nobody was ever moved. Nobody was ever d- disturbed. Nobody ever broke into a house. Everything so far had been about gas not feeling well, getting sick, and partial paralysis. As many as 35 people ended up reporting that they had dealt with this. Panic was escalating, dude. Uh, People in town felt like the cops were too slow, that they were doing nothing. They started forming vigilante groups. So now you're getting those things at night where 
you know, a group of guys are going up and down or, or men and women going up and down the streets, patrolling, checking the houses, making sure no one's messing with anybody. Uh, and everyone's on edge so much so that they literally brought in the FBI. FBI came in to check it out, see what was going on. They conducted searches, interviews throughout the entire town. They did tests for different chemicals at all these different houses to see if anything was spilled anywhere, anything that they could find. Not one trace of evidence. Everyone was stumped. So September 12th, the police release a report. The report finds that the mad gasser is actually mass hysteria. After that, everything ended. A, a couple days later, no more reports, no more people feeling sick, no more smells of gas, nothing. This actually ends up becoming like studied. Like, like there's a psych, psychology classes in colleges that will reference this in their in their curriculum um, as a, a classic example of mass hysteria, and not just mass hysteria, but how the press can literally affect the people, because on that second day, big letters, anesthetic, you know, prowler. And they put this article talking about this guy going around gassing people. And they talk about how this, these people are the first victims, which, may, which insinuates there's more to come, right? Uh, yeah. And then obviously people – so also what happens, it's August 1944 in Illinois. It's hot. So people are, are sleeping at night with their windows open, right? So those cool breezes are blowing in the smells of whatever blossoms are out there. And so you could see how this feeds into it. It was a very interesting uh, read, but there are three theories, right? So the first theory is that yeah. it's mass hysteria. Maybe that's the case because you can do that. People will start to believe that they're a part of something that – uh, is affecting other people in a negative way, and they're sudden that they're we're already living in heightened fear with the world war going on. When you know right. f from the war before that, right? We know about the mustard gas. We know about those things that they did in World War One. So when World War Two is happening, there's this fear and terror in this new generation that you know they don't know what to expect. That, that's just. That's wild. Yeah. Theory number two is that it could have been to toxic waste or pollution. So apparently in the town, there was this big kind of um, factory that produced, you know, I can't remember what it was now. I wish I had written that one down. Uh, but, you know, it did give off these chemically smells sometimes in the air. Um, but that was kind of stricken down right away because uh, the people, there was like 500 people that worked in that factory and they worked around those chemicals every single day. And not one of them experienced any kind of paralysis, uh, you know, feeling sick, anything like that. The third theory is that there truly was a mad gasser, that somebody was trying to do some crazy shit and kill a bunch of, you know, try to make their name and it wasn't working. And then the feds came in, everybody came in and then they just stopped. They're like, you know what, forget it. Let me move on and do something else. And so they moved on. They headed out west and became the Zodiac Killer. This this is mind-blowing. That's not way, really, that didn't I really do happen. Not <laughs> yeah. I don't remember this story at all. So if you said this one before, we both forgot. Yeah. Uh, that, if it truly is mass hysteria, that is fascinating right? to me. It yeah, is. That's very fascinating. But it's, it's a, it's a, it's actually a psychologically proven thing. Science has proven that that can happen. People can, can all start to actually, uh, what do you call it? You know, all of a sudden the smell, like if you tell somebody they smell something enough times, you can convince their brain to create that, that receptor to say they did smell it. And so yeah. in their reality, they are smelling it because their brain is telling them they are. 
Like they literally smell the sweetness or the sourness or the, you know, the putridness of whatever it is. Um, yeah, dude. So it's, it, it is actually a thing. It's proven. This was actually in, in it, they teach this in schools as, as example of mass hysteria and, and the power of the press, because it was, it, I believe, um, it might be in political classes or even, you know, uh, things like that, a public whatever classes where they discuss the press and how it affects, you know, culture. And this is one of the things they bring up was how it affected this town and made all these people come out with reports that all this was happening to them. And when it really wasn't, because if you think about it, the first thing that ever happened was that lady, Mrs. Kearney saying, or no, I'm sorry, uh, the one guy's wife saying her, you know, her legs were paralyzed. How many, have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night and almost fallen over because you had like dead legs? Because I, I have, but I've gotten off the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> I have. Like I've, I've had that moment when you wake up in that that half state where you're just you can't really move just yet. And see, and there is a thing, and there is a thing called sleep paralysis too. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. That's the story of the Mad Gasser, dude. Mad Gasser. Of what, what if that first house? This is just my thought here. What if that first the first report was they actually did have a sort of a small gas leak or something near them, and they did smell it. Yeah. And, but they couldn't really find it, so they kind of that that starts the story of somebody's going around doing this, and you read that in the paper, and you're like, oh man, we got to watch out for this. Yeah, it's exactly what so happened. Then, yeah, curfews, that, vigilante yes. groups in the streets. Like man. I'm telling you, that's wild. So much so that it caught national attention. It was in the, the papers in Chicago. The FBI came in. It was huge, dude. That, you know. That still happens today, whether we like to admit it or not. And mm-hmm. uh, like recently, we had those um, people dressing up as clowns. Yeah, scare. yeah. And people were acting like that was happening everywhere when it really wasn't everywhere. It was like it was only two places, places. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was just it's just <laughs> social. Can you imagine if social media had been around way back in the day? I wonder how different life would be right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, the <laughs> Dwight D. Eisenhower just taking selfies. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, dude, uh, what's the story you've got for us today? Well, let's go from the, the 40s to the 80s, the rocking 80s, as we all know. Oh, yeah. Right now, oh, if yeah. you've got it, kick on Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet. <laughs> yes. Please it's, a, it's a soundtrack to your story. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Uh, you're welcome, Bon Jovi. He needs all the help he can get. Uh <laughs> 1985, that's the year we're going to. And we're going to the world of baseball, Chris. Ooh. Baseball, America's pastime. Uh, oh. Get your peanuts. Get your peanuts. Get your peanuts here. <laughs> yes, the world of baseball. Uh, a lot of people love baseball. It's probably my second or third sport that I would watch. Yeah, it's my ninth. Yeah, going to a game's a lot of fun though. I yes. actually went to an actual game. That's yeah. that is a blast. That is that fun, really especially fun. when you go with a lot of friends and you have a good time. Yes, yes. So I do recommend that. But uh, the world of baseball in 1985 was on notice, Chris. Ooh, it was put on notice. Ooh, the New York Mets, a professional team, they still play today. Just in case you didn't know that, <laughs> uh, we're having tryouts. You know, every year uh, they have well, new people are trying to make the team, mm-hmm. and that's what was happening here in 1985. And they were trying out a new pitcher. This guy seemingly came out of nowhere. Uh, when they had this guy throw the ball at batters, these batters were blown away. Like, they they couldn't believe how fast this guy was throwing a ball. And even catcher Ron Reynolds, 
hurt his hand just catching oh, a pitch. Oh, I remember that name, dude. Wow. Yeah. What Ron Reynolds? Yes. You remember Ron Reynolds? Yes. <laughs> I was a, I was a huge baseball fan when I was a kid. I collected the cards. At the time, I was oh, a huge Mets fan, and then as I got older, I became a Yankees fan. But I was always a fan of New York teams. But yes, I actually do. And I'm wondering if I know who the pitcher is. We'll we'll get to him. Yeah, we'll get yeah, to him. We'll get that. So catcher Ron Reynolds once like there's a famous picture of him in Sports uh, Sports Illustrated where he's like he's a. Uh, holding his hand a little bit like you know like when something hurts your hand you kind of shake it a little bit yeah. he after he caught this guy's uh fastball he kind of does that <laughs> but what was even more strange about this pitcher was his pitching motion uh the closest that anybody could could compare how he pitched was to like what if goofy like disney's goofy uh, was pitching a baseball kind of looked he looked really <laughs> goofy when he was doing it he's a tall lanky guy on top of that <laughs> But here's the thing. One of his pitches was actually clocked at 168 miles per hour. What? That's a ridiculous speed. Is that, that is ridiculous. Is that for real? Is that the record? I've never heard of that. I've heard that of it. That's definitely the, the record. Let's say I've heard in the hundreds, um, but like 110. Yes. Just just for a comparison, uh, Nolan Ryan held the record for Ooh, a long time. Yeah. And that's a name I actually even know. Yeah. Uh, and his was at like 108, I believe. That's what I'm saying. You don't see anybody yes. over that. So who was this guy? Enter Sid Finch. This oh. guy was 28 years old. He was described as odd. Uh, <laughs> That's odd. Strange. He's very strange and eccentric. And that's putting it mildly. Um, apparently... He had spent most of his life abroad, like in England, especially. Um, he was an orphan as a child. Uh, no one really knows what happened with his parents, and he was really young, so he doesn't know. Uh, he was an orphan as a child in England. Uh, apparently, at one point, he gets adopted by his foster parent, who was an archaeologist, of all things. Uh, archaeologist Francis White Finch, who would actually later tragically die in an airplane crash in Nepal. Uh and a side note, they actually never even found that airplane. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty wild, too. That's a history creep uh, story in itself. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, and here's this gets even more strange. Uh, Finch had actually never even played baseball before. Uh, he went to Harvard at one point for, and we'll get to that at some point, but even when he was at Harvard, he didn't play baseball for them. Uh, his roommate at Harvard said Finch was actually rarely even there. And when he was there, he, he could never say that he actually slept on his bed <laughs> in the dorm room. And he had, and Fitch had almost no belongings. Uh, this is This is a list of all the stuff he would carry with him. A small amount of clothes, like a couple shirts and, you know, and pants, just stuff to cover yourself, basically. Yeah. Hi, uh, hiking boots. A blanket that he claimed was made from a yak. And, and a French horn. In which everyone who's ever heard him play says he plays amazingly. Like he's a he's a he's 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 amazing. He's a pro at this French horn. He's a maestro. And he was apparently fluent in multiple languages. This probably is because he traveled around a lot. Uh, he left Harvard early to go study in Tibet of all places. So how did this guy who never played baseball before get into baseball? Well, that's where we're going to go into the AAA world. 
Uh, for those who don't know, baseball has triple A teams. There's actually one really close to me, the Hickory Crawdads. <laughs> and these are farm teams. And by that, I mean uh, players first starting out in baseball uh, or that's you know, who it usually is. It's mostly younger players uh, kind of get used to playing baseball. And it's another way for uh, pro teams to look at these players as they're developing and decide when they want to bring them up onto the, onto the actual pro team. Yeah. Uh, so the Mets have an, a triple-A team in Maine. Uh, the manager from that triple-A team was literally just walking by uh, the park when Finch approaches him. And Finch, and Finch is, you know, when this guy first sees Finch, he's like, this guy's, this, this guy's really strange. <laughs> and Finch literally goes, hey, uh, I, I've learned the art of the pitch. That's how what he, the hell does that mean? I know, right? I've learned the art of the pitch. And obviously, this is intriguing, so the manager's like, okay, what do you mean by that? So Finch goes and sets up a soda can, like a distance away, about the same distance, I don't know what the feet would be, from like the pitcher's mound to uh, to where the batter would be. It's about that same distance. And he stands back, and he just chucks a baseball at it. And not only does he hit this can, he makes the can explode. Like, he explodes this can. And the manager looks at that, and he's kind of astonished at first. He's never heard of this guy. And he goes, do that again. So they set it up, and he does it again. <laughs> so they they go, and they talk more. Uh, and Finch says, that even though he's never played baseball, this is what he tells the manager. He goes, I'd like to give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's never played, but he wants to give it a, an old college try. What is going on right now? And despite the fact that he's never played, he had learned its rules because he read the rule books and he studied it. Uh, the Mets would find out about this because this manager passed this along to the Mets and said, you have to see this guy. And they end up wanting to invite him, Finch, to training camp. What? However, <laughs> however, uh, when they invite Finch, he has some stipulations. Oh, man. All right, the first stipulation is he doesn't want any contract agreements at first second he needs mickey and minnie there at all times yes <laughs> second uh off hours uh he wants to be able to keep to himself privacy was really important to this guy what is going uh, on with this he, there's something up with this guy he does not want to participate in team drills at all uh he doesn't want he wants to show his pitching in privacy he doesn't want anybody to really see it what? except for those who are there uh, and he wants the whole thing kept secret. Like he doesn't want the news or anybody else to learn that he's doing this. Mm. And his reasoning behind this is that he actually wasn't 100% sure that even if the Mets would take him, that he would want to do it. He just wanted to try it and see if he could do it. And he didn't want to get the Mets or the fans' hopes up. <laughs> Man. Just in case he decides to say no. You know. uh, this is obviously very odd and peculiar. A lot of people don't do this type of thing. Most of the time, if you're invited and and you're and baseball's been your life, and you get invited by a major league team to come try <laughs> out for them, you're usually you're going to like jump through hoops for yeah. them, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This guy's like, I don't want anybody to watch me pitch. I don't want anybody in this room. It's just going to be me and this guy, and he's my butler, and he'll tell you how fast I pitched it. <laughs> yes. So obviously, they want to learn more about this guy. Who is this guy? Yeah, I've never, I've never heard man. of him. And so I, I'm assuming he didn't sign because I've never heard of him. Oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Uh, he would always have wisdom-like sayings. Uh, there was a bunch. Oh of God! Now he's like fucking Yoda too. 
(laughs) (laughs) No one extra ever caught him sleeping in a bed, ever. Uh, Of course. Yeah, sounds (laughs) right. And they ever saw his bed, and whenever they would, like, he would get his own hotel room. (laughs) He wouldn't stay at the same hotel as the team would. He would get his own hotel room. They'd find him sleeping on the roof. And he'd be like on the floor <laughs> on his jack blanket, and his bed would be in, look look amazing. He would never sleep in his bed. It That's weird, dude. And apparently, he was aspiring to be a monk. Oh, okay, that makes sense then. Yeah. So that, there you go. And he, remember, he went to Nepal at one point. Ah, uh, so that's probably his whole thing. He's not going to yeah. enjoy the lavish lifestyle. Why didn't he just? I mean, he why didn't even... he just sleep on the sidewalk in front of the hotel then? I know. <laughs> it's a waste of money. <laughs> Uh, but as this is happening, of course, this is so strange. There's people who just can't keep quiet about this. Uh-huh. So the story of Finch gets out. Uh, Sports Illustrated runs an article on him that becomes a huge thing. Uh, a lot of other media catches wind of this, and they won't in on it. Uh, the fans find out, and they start buzzing about this. They're feeling very happy that they have this surprisingly uh, this pitcher out of nowhere who could be incredible who could be game changing for the game of baseball they took to their 1985 twitter to talk tweet about it <laughs> yes they did uh this is when finch decides well i need to say something so he holds a press conference Uh oh. and he actually announces during his press conference that he decides not to pursue baseball wow uh, yeah and as he's leaving he's gonna be a uh, monk and as he's pretty much, and as he's leaving the, the, the press conference, people are wanting him to sign stuff. And he's like, you don't want me to sign things. Uh, and uh, he reluctantly, he would reluctantly sign autographs. So there's not very many of his out there. Oh, can you imagine what that's worth? Well, let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, Sid Finch doesn't exist. He's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, Sports Illustrated writer by the name of George Plimpton, who apparently was a very celebrated writer at the time. He's since sadly passed away. Uh, and Sports Illustrated and the Mets all got together and decided to pull a giant prank on everybody. What? They were all in on this. Every one of them were in on this. The Mets themselves were in on it. Sports Illustrated and the writer were all in on this. What? You can actually look and find this Sports Illustrated uh article there's actually pictures of sid and there's a press conference you can see the, him at this press conference what was the point uh joe burton actually played sid in these press conference pictures and he was just happened to be a friend of uh, a photographer first sports illustrated and they just asked him <laughs> to portray this guy because he was kind of tall and lanky <laughs> did he really sign balls though like if he's if he said yes. he signed those signatures yes. as sid fitch that'd be amazing Yes, and to this day, uh, he still gets recognized as Finch, and he, and he still gets to sign autographs as Finch. <laughs> Get out of here, dude. <laughs> yes, what was the day. point? Like, why'd they do that? So, obviously, fans were crushed and and kind of livid about this. They were very mad because uh, they had their hopes up that this dude, amazing pitch 168 was 168-mile-an-hour ball, obviously. <laughs> yes. Come on, man. Other media outlets were very upset and mad, too, because they were kind of duped. Dude, they heard that, and they were like, we've got the World Series. Every other team was like, oh, shit. And now everybody's just like, oh, God, thank God. And other other media outlets uh, were very upset because, you know, Sports Illustrated, if this guy was real, uh, they were the first ones to report about him. (laughs) You know, they had, (laughs) and they were like, they were very upset about it. What was the point? Like, Like, who was fucking with who? This this issue of Sports Illustrated came out near April first, 
Oh, <laughs> dude, this is like how like nowadays the internet does that shit to you, right? Yeah. You go on yes. and Google, you know, you'll see headlines about stuff. And you're like, oh my god. Yeah, that's why I get, every time I see that there's going to be a Zelda movie, I realize it's April first, oh. and IGN's done it to me again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this guy actually technically never Dude, existed. They made amazing. it all up. It was all done for a joke. Amazing. It's literally just done to be funny. Uh, they said at one point the uh, Plimpton was very concerned when he was writing this that it wouldn't be uh, good or funny. But then when people were starting to believe it, he was like, "Man, I've <laughs> I've really done some great work here." And he even ended up writing other books about this experience and stuff that were ended up being pretty good bestsellers. Uh, and today, actually, today, you know, people were mad back then, but today it's actually looked back at fondly. That's awesome. Uh, like I was saying, the guy who portrayed Finch still gets to sign stuff as Finch. Uh, the uh, Joe Burton says he still gets recognized all the time, and there's actually an ESPN 30 for 30 on this whole thing too. That's great. Uh, I actually read most of my stuff here is actually from the actual Sports Illustrated article, which you can find online. You can find the original one with all this stuff on it, and it is fascinating because there's pictures like that. You know, I was telling you about the picture, uh, the Reynolds guy, the guy you said you actually have, have heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, that picture's real. Yeah. He has a picture. Yeah, he's in this article. He's holding his hand like he just been hurt because he <laughs> caught this guy's ball. And they were all faking all these. That's amazing, dude. <laughs> Another name that a name I recognized was Dykstra. Oh, uh, Lenny Dykstra. What. Yeah, he was on this. He was in on this too. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the batters that faced him at first. <laughs> so that everybody was in on this. That's amazing. Dude. That's why it was so great. That is insane. <laughs> that is so good. Oh, how cool is that? That's awesome. So that's the story of Sid Finch. I like it. The <laughs> Mad Gasser and Sid Finch, two uh, mythical characters, right? Fictional. Yes. Characters so in the wind. technically, even though we didn't discuss what we were technically talking about, no. we had a theme. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. It still worked out. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, anyway, other than that, dude, I'm feeling lightheaded, uh, a little sick to my oh, stomach. No. Somebody closed the windows in the clubhouse. I'm done. I got to get out of here. I gotta get down to the pitching mound myself, so uh, I, I guess I'll just throw this baseball at the at the light and turn it off. I hope everybody out there just you know stays odd. <laughs>